Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 28 of The Best Thing. I'm Antonio Neves, and episode 28 is pretty fantastic. I talked to Jenny Blake. She's the founder of The Pivot Method. And in this episode, she talks about what she did when her company lost the vast majority of its revenue due to this pandemic. It's super inspiring. We talk about innovation. I think it's going to be a powerful lesson for all of us how she chose to respond to this. But before we get to that, I don't know if you know, but recently I have released and shared my book cover to the world. Stop living on autopilot, take responsibility for your life, and rediscover a bolder, happier you comes out January 19th, 2021 with Rodell Books. If you have not seen the cover yet, what are you waiting for? It's amazing. All you have to do right now is go to the show notes right now and click the link and you can see what this cover looks like. I would love to hear your feedback and what you think about it. Talking about feedback, I would love for you, if you haven't already, take a moment, leave a quick review of this podcast. That way more people can find it. And give that five-star rating if you're so inclined and you dig. And of course, if you are not already following or subscribed to this, do that right now. And the last thing I want to tell you is this right here. I'd love to hear from you. Like You can actually text message me. You can hit me up at 310 310- Five six four seven one two four. Once again, you can text me 310-564-7124. At first, you're going to get a robot, but after the robot and you say everything is all good, all the text messages are going to come directly from me. Okay, that's what I have for you right now, but buckle up, get ready for an episode that's going to blow you away with Jenny Blake. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to ever to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm a speaker, author, and coach. And each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. Now, this week's guest is someone I first met in New York City quite a few years back, and I'm so glad I did. I've always been blown away by her and her positive outlook on life. Now, look, she is one of those people that when you spend time with them, you leave with more energy and inspired to do amazing things. Jenny Blake is the founder of Pivot Method, a growth strategy company that helps forward-thinking individuals and organizations map what's next through scalable pivot programs. She's an international keynote speaker and author of the award-winning book, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters Is Your Next One, Jenny also hosts a popular Pivot podcast, which CNBC listed among six podcasts to make you smarter about your career. After two years at a technology startup in Silicon Valley, followed by five years working at Google, Jenny moved to New York City in 2011, where she has been running her own consulting business in the year since, helping innovative organizations, again, incorporate the Pivot Method into their global career development and manager training programs. 
Jenny Blake, JB, welcome to The Best Thing. Thank you so much, Tony. And I feel the same exact way about you. I think I met you right around the time I moved to New York City. And you are definitely one of those energizer friends. It's like plugging into a battery recharging station, going to coffee with you. So I'm delighted to be here. And I'm so happy you launched this podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm just recalling now, Jenny, that when we first met, you were actually operating under the the Life After College banner, a book that you wrote prior to uh, your book, Pivot. And what I love about that, Jenny, is that I'm reminded about how we all have different chapters in our life. And it's fascinating to see that that book that got you started on your journey isn't even mentioned in your <laughs> bio today. And this is the first question I'll ask you. Can you talk a little bit about chapters? And what's fascinating is now even your main website isn't Jenny Blake anymore. You know, it's based on your work that you do with Pivot. So could you talk about evolving in the chapters to get to where you are today? Absolutely. And you're the first person who has noticed that I don't mention life after college in my bio. And that is on purpose because and I just love that you're bringing that up. It was two pivots ago. So for for listeners, I started a blog in 2005, a website called Life After College. And I will say that even when the book was coming out in 2011, I was kind of already over it. I was over the topic, but I wanted to see it through of getting my blog to book to the world. And I wasn't over it in the sense that I really knew I wanted to empower young professionals and 20-somethings what we would now call adulting. <laughs> I had had such a hard time with it because I left school before most of my friends. And yet at the same time, I knew, I knew I was 27 when the book came out. I'm 36 now. So it was almost 10 years ago. I just knew I didn't want to talk about life after college for the next 10 or 20 years. My interim pivot, which I can call it now in hindsight, was moving to a website under my own name, JennyBlake.me. Systems at the Intersection of Mind, Body, and Business. That was in 2013. And that was kind of a stopgap. It was like, well, who am I if I'm not the Google girl or the life after college person? And I had a big kind of identity crisis even then. And then this is pre-influencer culture, by the way, because I think Instagram was just coming up, but we didn't yet have the influencer notion. And even then, I was very uncomfortable with my name being the same as my business. So Jenny Blake got me. I felt like there's no separation and I never want, I don't want people to engage with my business because of what I look like, what I'm wearing, where I'm traveling, anything about who I'm dating, you know, these very personal things. I realized how uncomfortable it made me to associate my life with my livelihood. So when I got the book deal for Pivot in 2014, which is about, holy shit, how do you figure out what's next when you hit a plateau? And it's even sometimes based on our success, which had kind of happened to me. So I got the book deal in 2014. And as I started to build out the book and build out the website, I realized that's really where my energy was. And it served that second purpose of creating more separation again between my name, my personal life and my business, which is, is very important to me because I want, I want people to listen to my podcast, follow my business, hire me because of my ideas. And again, not because of the pressure to look or be a certain way other than what I would call being heart-based and generous. I love hearing that evolution and the chapters. Uh, it's, I, I can relate personally because for the longest time, Jenny, even after I transitioned to doing leadership and development work, it's funny. I would still always introduce myself as, hey, I'm a coach, I'm a speaker, 
but I spent 12 years as a reporter and a correspondent with this network and this network in New York City. It's like I had to to validate myself and this new iteration of me, this, this new chapter, this pivot. I no longer mention my television career, which for the longest time was, was vulnerable for me not to say, but I worked for these major brands and networks. And just a reminder for listeners out there that at some point you have to be willing to endorse yourself. And even as you were talking, I was laughing because I, a mentor of mine always talk, told me about businesses. And she's like, look, make sure you build something you can sell. It's kind of hard to sell something with your name on it. Um, so I love what you're building right now. Uh, but also, Jenny, I'm curious, and I'm I, this is more so a statement as opposed to a question, but I think you can riff off of it. But of course, we hear companies like Google, we know you worked with a technology startup, et cetera. Um, but the statement is this, I want to get your reaction to, as you've had these various pivots throughout your life. And that statement is, just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you're supposed to be doing it. Absolutely. And John Maxwell says, you have to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. Mm. What you just said reminds me of Gay Hendricks, his book, The Big Leap, that we often get trapped in our zone of excellence. So we have a zone of incompetence, a zone of competence, excellence, and then genius. And we know what we're incompetent at. Like for me, it's math without a spreadsheet, <laughs> without a calculator in front of me. We can figure out what we're competent at. But excellence is where we get stuck because it's often what we get recognized for externally. And I would even say that these big shiny brands, Sony, that you and I have been associated with, it's in the zone of excellence. We probably did excellent work and they're excellent, shiny brands that are kind of nice to carry around with you. Like, oh, hey, I'm cool because of this. But our genius is beyond that. Our genius is, as Joseph Campbell would say, how we follow our bliss. and. This is an ongoing evolution. I think we get so caught up in the shoulds of our career and our work and our businesses. What should I be doing? How should I be marketing? How should I be creating things that it it hides our, our genius or it's it, it's our genius is like that marble statue Michelangelo carved. Like we need to chip away at what's excellent so we can truly find what's unique to us and what's our our genius. And very often that involves saying no to something good, if not very good. I agree with you 100%. And, I, and the, one of the biggest challenges that comes with that, as you know, as we make those shifts, as we make those pivots, our family and friends are always going to understand. What do you mean, Jenny Blake, you're leaving Google? How dare you leave this worldwide juggernaut? And people aren't always going to understand. And I love that you referenced the book. Everyone who's listening to this, after you listen, it'll be in the show notes. Go buy the book. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I've been fortunate enough to work directly one-on-one -on -one with Gay Hendricks and his wife, Katie Hendricks, at the Hendricks Institute, where I'm a certified coach and all that other fun stuff. Um, but The Big Leap is amazing. He just had a follow-up come up uh, for that book. Uh, but I'm, you're spot on in terms of finding that zone of genius. I won't dig too deep into that, but just make sure you get that book. I think just let's look at your career as well. Your genius is bringing out the best in people and bringing out powerful ideas. And you've done that in your time as a journalist, in your time as a reporter, your time in front of TV screens, your time launching your own shows on YouTube. You know, at every single step, you're the one behind it. You're the curator. You're the personality. You're the energy. And it's your curating of those brilliant people and brilliant ideas that has been a through line in your career. And that's certainly something I see as your genius. Thank you for sharing that. Because I realize 
what I love doing, Jenny, and this is about you, but we're going to talk about me for a second, <laughs> is I love having fascinating conversations with fascinating people. That's what I love. And I love being able to connect those dots. Other people can't connect and hear what other people can't hear. I love it. And Jenny, I just remembered back in 2012, and I'm going to put this in the show notes. I forgot about the inter- interview we did for the YouTube show <laughs> that I did. I totally forgot about that until right now you referencing that. Um, it's still one of the top because I don't do much on YouTube. So I think that one is still, if you search for my name on YouTube, it's one of the ones that comes up and I'm so happy. Again, it seems like, yeah, yeah, it seems like another lifetime, but it's just the brief, briefly before we get to the question of the best thing, as you were talking about being willing to step into your zone of genius, it made me, it made me think about all those years in New York and a lot of people that I met. And you know, if for those folks who haven't lived in big cities like New York City, Finding a good space, finding a good apartment is, is extremely challenging. And sometimes you may get lucky enough, and I'm going to put quotes around lucky, to get something that's called rent controlled, meaning your rent can only go up a certain percentage every single year. But I think that it's a double-edged sword, Jenny, because I can't tell you how many people in my life I've met in New York who live in an apartment because it's rent controlled because of the good cost, but it's not where they want to be. It's not the neighborhood they want to be. It's, it's not where they want to be. But I hear a consistent refrain of, you know, it's not it's not perfect, but it's a good situation. I don't want to let go of a good situation. But and as you know, you've also talked to men and women you've worked with in careers. That isn't exactly what they want to do, but it's a good situation. Let, let's wait for one more bonus. Can you talk a bit about how that good situation that whether that's rent control or that good job that pays you good may not be good for you for the long term? Well, it's interesting to think about rent control as a metaphor. So where in our lives and our work are we currently in a rent control situation? Pause pause for a second. (laughs) I want to feel that for a second. Watch out. Yes. Where are we in a rent control situation? Continue on preach. (laughs) You're amazing. So where are we grandfathered in? This is another term for this, like where we're just benefiting because of time, but not because of true intention as we design into the future. And of course, listen, we're all living through this apocalyptic time and year that is 2020. I don't even think it's going to let up. We have an election. It's been effing nuts. So of course, this is needs to be balanced with some element of pragmatism, like at a time when the economy is at its worst. No, maybe right now isn't the moment that you're going to give up that rent controlled apartment or that quote, rent controlled job. But to just shut the door on those inquiries and essentially settle, that's a choice. And it reminds me of in river rafting, there's rapids And those are really exciting, but there's a risk element. So there's adrenaline and your heart's pumping, but it's so exciting. And when you get through the rapids, you feel a real sense of accomplishment. And then there are other parts of the river that are called eddies and the water's kind of dead there. There's no flow. It just goes in a little, almost a spiral. And it's where all the dead leaves accumulate. Like they're, they're that part of the river, the eddy is not really getting flushed out. It's not really moving forward. And that's what I would encourage listeners, myself included, by the way, I think 2020 has brought us all great reflection because we're all getting pivoted daily. We're all being asked to pause and take stock. And we have a choice, even though it may feel the opposite. It may feel like we don't have a choice because there are so many rules and restrictions and economic recession, but we really do to pause and say, was I happy with the way things were going? Do I want them to be the same way moving forward? 
we know that there is never a normal. I mean, that's the reality of life and humanity and existence. And there's not really going to be a new normal because every time we think there is, haha, the joke is on us, the world's going to shift again. And I, I know for sure that's going to keep happening this year. But it's funny, Tony, like even when you were reading my bio, international keynote speaker, and I'm almost laughing at it. I'm like, ha ha ha, remember when? You know, not anymore. And I wonder what that will look like moving forward and just this opportunity to take stock. And before I forget, I also wanted to say, the book Built to Sell is so good because you mentioned what your mentor told you, that build a business you can sell. I think this is so crucial for anybody really who has a side hustle or you want to start your own business. You may never actually sell it, but to build with that in mind is very empowering. And that is part of how we're able and how I'm able to pivot even within the structure of my own business and get out of those eddies and get out of those ruts is to try to create some separation between you and your work and your identity. And that way, as you change and evolve and even change within, let's say you work for a company, you're not having an identity crisis every single time because there's you and their work and they're two separate things. There's you and your work. There are Those are two separate things. A question I love to ask people sometimes, Jenny, I'm not going to ask you to do this right now, but I love to ask people, how would you introduce yourself if you couldn't reference your career? Ooh, and let me tell so you good. something. Oh, that's a great, by the way, it's a great workshop exercise. I do a lot at the beginning of workshops. People struggle with that because as you just referenced, people really associate their work with who they are as a human being. I know I have for a really, really long time. And listen, Jenny's a coach. I'm a coach. Where I'm, I'm going to have a quick coaching moment with the listeners. And I just want to invite all of you, because I'm talking to myself as well, is to think about where in your life are you grandfathered in? Where in your life are you in the eddy where that water is there, but it's stale. It's not as fresh as the other water. Just, just something to think about because we can li live these rent controlled existences that on the surface are good, but we all know there's that metaphorical tap on the shoulder that's tapping us saying, this is good, but it's not it. This is good, but it's not it. And I just want to remind everyone who's listening to this, as I'm reminding myself that you have a say in this, never forget that you have a say in this life and the decisions you choose to make. I had to pivot right there for a quick moment, Jenny. I'm, I'm, my apologies, but, but we'll come back to you. And just thank you for dropping some dimes of, of knowledge right there. And I'm going to buy that that book because right now, frankly, I'm not in a place where I could technically sell. I can't sell my business the way as it is right now if I wanted to, but I will get there. Um, so let's let, let's get to the, let's, let's pivot. I'm using the word pivot a lot today. I love it. Uh, yes. Let's get to the question. Jenny, what would you say? is one of the quote unquote best things to happen to you that wouldn't necessarily appear on a resume bio or, or come up in conversation with that stranger in a coffee shop that has had a powerful impact on your life or is, let's say currently, or is having a powerful impact on your life. I'm going to build on this conversation so far. The best worst thing to happen to me is this pandemic. When it hit in March, 90% of my revenue vanished, including a big corporate contract that would have represented six months of business runway, an emergency fund, if you will. And I knew that I needed to stock that emergency fund. And I knew that that was going to be the contract. That was going to be the check that was going to do it. In one fell swoop, much like you, Tony, I'm sure, every single speaking gig I had got canceled. All my big contracts that I do licensing for pivot programs got dropped or significantly delayed. 
And not only that, all my gigs got canceled into the future. So March was this insane time. It was gut-wrenching. The reason I bring this up is that when I was thinking of leaving Google in 2011, I would always worry. My worst fear is just that, who knows, some unforeseen event and I would lose all my revenue or I wouldn't be able to pay the bills. And I couldn't even have anticipated as a worst fear in starting my business almost 10 years ago, I couldn't even have anticipated that I would lose all my business at the same time, except for my private momentum community. That's now the stronghold. It's a community of small heart-based business owners. And not only would I lose it all at once, which happened in the month of March, there would be nothing booked into the future. Mm. So every time I would envision recessions, I knew that someone like me, an outside consultant or a speaker, would be the first to get cut from the budget. I knew that. And I did right pivot with counter-cyclical ideas in mind that, okay, well, if a recession hits, at least I'll know that everyone will be pivoting and companies will be pivoting and reorging. I joke that at Google, we were often reorging more than we were orging. Mm-hmm. And that's the true of all of our work, whether you work for a company or you're self-employed. And in March, it just felt like the sky was falling. I also compare it to a snow globe. Somebody shook the snow globe of the planet and none of the little particles had settled yet. And then just the other day, I had this aha. So we're now three months in as we record this. I thought, oh my goodness, my worst fear in 10 years of self-employment is this. It's, it's this. This is actually worse than I ever imagined. And I feel great. I'm happy I'm not on the road every week. I'm happy. I'm actually happy I'm not on client calls and client meetings. I was so focused on delivering for my clients that I wasn't really that creative. When the pandemic hit, I shifted from a weekly podcast to daily episodes, and it just completely stretched me out of my comfort zone. I could hear myself think again. I had this drive to produce for myself and my community and my audience, even though my podcast takes the most work and earns the least in my business. I don't care. I actually connected with myself again, and now it's to the point where I don't even know what jobs I would take. I'm going to double my rates to build in <laughs> pandemic pricing. I am separating myself from even the sales process in my business where I used to be the person interacting with potential clients from start to finish. And now I brought on team members to do that both part-time. I'm removing myself from everything in the business that isn't my unique queen bee role, as my friend Mike Michalowicz calls it in his book, Clockwork. The queen bee role is that thing that is so unique to you and your business that is your your brand promise, your offering to the world. And I realized that when I try to do everything in my business and be everything to all my clients, that voice gets really muted. So now, I, I mean, I really feel that we all are getting a black belt in pivoting during this time and during this year. And I feel that we're all going to be so much more resilient as we look ahead because we're going to laugh when when economic, you know, <laughs> like the economy goes up and down or whatever. We're going to look back and think, but remember 2020? Like if we made it through 2020, we can make it through this. And so having that worst fear happen of self-employment, because I never really thought I was cut out to be an entrepreneur. I didn't think, I thought I was just a good rule follower and a good team player. I feel so much more empowered now. And I also feel empowered working with, at this point, it has stabilized to my income probably being a fifth of what it was, maybe less, maybe a sixth. I don't even know. And I don't care. I feel so free. I don't care. It's just, it's, it's, it's incredibly free. It's incredibly free. I love hearing that. And on a personal note, 
as you're talking, there are so many parallels as, as a speaker that makes money on the road that gets on planes. I know it's like, as you were describing that, everything just fit me to a T watching that income drop. What's so amazing about what you're sharing, Jenny, is that your willingness to still invest in yourself. Like you said, hiring people. I did one of the same things that, that scared the heck out of me. Like you're going to spend money now, but you didn't do it before. It's so scary. I want to dissect that in two areas. The first area I want to go to, Jenny, is you're talking about your podcast, which everyone has to listen to. And again, I'm going to be on that podcast, which is awesome. And we'll have links in the show notes. But you said you're doing this podcast daily now and how it's the most work, but earns the least. Uh, same thing here. The sponsor of the Best Thing podcast is Antonio Neves. <laughs> it brings in no quote unquote revenue, but it brings in something else that you can't quantify with dollars and cents. So could you briefly talk about, Jenny, you're willing to invest time, energy, resources into this podcast that, again, that doesn't necessarily show um, positive numbers on the balance sheet, but how it shows positive growth, energy, or however you want to describe it elsewhere. Sure. I'm I'm like you, Tony. I love fascinating conversations with fascinating people. I am deeply introverted more every year. I just, I just don't. I'm not that social. I don't like large events. I'm like really keep to myself. But the podcast I love because it's connecting with people for really deep, kind of instantly intimate conversations like this one, talking about our hopes and dreams and fears and experiences. For me, I've been podcasting for five years and it has been such a source of joy podcasts in general give me so much. I'm subscribed to over a hundred. So I'm a super listener. I listen at 2x the speed. I me listen too. to a, a, yeah, a couple in the morning, a couple in the middle of the day, a couple at the end of the day. I mean, I love it. I love that. I think if you're a growth oriented person, being able to learn about so many different people and industries and some podcasts are interview oriented, others are really niche based and, and tip oriented and systems. And oh my God, it's just a wealth for the mind. So they give me so much. And by me hosting my own show over five years, I have made the most priceless relationships. People that were my heroes that I never in a million years imagined I could interview one-on-one, -on -one, let alone become friends. In some cases, like my friend Penny Pierce, who's been a repeat guest on topics like intuition and frequency, it just blows my mind. And when the pandemic hit and I shifted to daily, that was a whole new relationship with my listeners and with myself of I'm going to get on this mic every day. What am I going to say? How can I serve? None of us knows what's going on. How can I get up, show up and serve? And I was so grateful to hear from listeners who said, you're providing a source of comfort in the morning or thank you for the calm perspective on what's going on. And now I'm piloting with Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And there is part of me that's insecure. Like, oh, my listeners are going to think I'm so flaky. I've gone from weekly to daily to now it's three days a week. But at the same time, I like to think that I'm modeling pilots, which is part of the pivot method, which is you got to try things. So by me trying daily for three months, it actually built my muscles, my, my, as Seth Godin would say, ship with a P, <laughs> ship it muscles so much that now shifting to three days a week, which used to be so intimidating, feels easy in comparison. So it's amazing to work our creative muscles and our voice like we would anything else and do sprints and interval training and challenge ourselves to show up in such a bigger way, even when none of us know what the hell is going on. 
Yeah. And, and again, you're investing in yourself as well. I'm sure resources and things that, you know, again, don't always look great on the balance sheet, but they look good on the internal balance sheet. And someone's listening right now. And, and I know right now there's something that I guess we'll use a metaphor that there's something that that listener wants to hit publish on. They want to, they want to ship, they want to hit record on. It doesn't have to be a podcast or something, but I just invite people who have been waiting to no longer wait to take that first step. And hopefully this, this conversation inspires you to take that first step to, to do your version of publishing or hitting record. Jenny, a few more questions for you. So I love this evolution from the pandemic to where you are today. Uh, the growth, the awareness, even as, as you saw income decline, it sounds like the, you saw uh, happiness, the happiness quotient increase and how much you're going to evolve and change your business moving forward. And I love what you said about doubling your rates because I'm going to do the exact thing because uh, this just inspired me, to do, <laughs> inspired me to do so. And sorry for the long question. You've got to a good place today. But early on, early on when it just hit, I'm, you weren't there just yet. We all were still processing. I'm sure there was a lot of fear. There were a lot of questions. How am I, how am I going to do this? So I'm curious, Jenny, how did you approach and embrace the fear early on to get you to this place. I mean, I, I know for listeners, you may not know this. I know you're um, a certified yoga instructor. I know you have a lot of different things I'm sure you can tap into to, to help you process things. But how did you embrace, accept this fear so you could get to where you are now? Yeah, well, it is such a journey. And I'm, I'm sure all of us had to find new and different or even stronger coping mechanisms when all this started going down. And it really is the time to lean on all those self-care practices. One of the biggest self-care practices I have is twofold is, is self-trust and compassion. So the last thing that any of us needs when the sky is falling is to beat ourselves up about it and say, oh, this is your fault. How could you do this? How could you be so stupid? You didn't fund your business reserves or your emergency fund. I just really tried to do what I always do in my business, which is surrender and trust that every single thing that happened is to teach me something and that I can learn from it. I can grow. I can structure things differently. I can be very grateful for what I do have. I had a big tax fund that I need, I need to still need to pay for 2020 taxes, but that I knew I could draw upon if needed. I was so thankful for the income that I did have coming in through my Momentum community and Pivot Insider for the podcast. And so it was really remembering to focus on gratitude, what I do have, faith in the process, faith in the transformation that this time is, is really asking all of us to do. And also gratitude for the pause, really like gratitude to take a step back and reconfigure. And I had I had some friends that went into just intense hustle mode. They were like, oh my God, the pandemic hit. Who knows when everything is going to dry up for good. I better triple down and go earn as much money right now as I possibly can. And I completely understand that. I just didn't have it in me. And I still don't. Even now, as things talk about reopening, I am not ready. I actually am not ready to go back to doing business the way that I was. I'm not ready. I don't want to be on client calls and in client meetings. And what does that say? Talk about the saying no to the good so you can say yes to the best. I am still asking myself, what does that mean for how I design things moving forward, whether it's income sources or how I spend in our household and in the business? And the other thing I want to just make sure to say, two more things. You mentioned Gay Hendricks. His new book is called Conscious Luck. 
I highly recommend The Big Leap first if you haven't read that. But Conscious Luck, there's this one piece that I love, which is he says, you can decide to be lucky. You can decide to be lucky and to say from this day forward, I am lucky. I am a lucky person and good things happen to me. And I just love that intention, like holding the thought that even when it feels like everything is falling apart, good things still happen. One of my favorite artists, Nako, I just interviewed him. Talk about a hero. One of my most awkward podcasts ever, but that's how I know I'm really stretching myself. He has a song lyric, I believe in the good things coming from his song, Black as Night. And whether the placebo effect or pronoia, believing the universe is in your favor, whether it's true or not, I don't care. I'm a happier person and things work better for me. And it keeps my vibration higher, my energy up to believe in the good things coming. And then the last piece is around the podcast. I just want to come back to this investment because it is a big investment of time and effort and energy and even team. I will sometimes show up to a sales call with a potential client, even for speaking events or bigger contracts. And they'll come to the call and they say, oh my God, I love your podcast. I can't believe I'm listening to you right now. I can't believe we're on the phone right now. So that energy of coming to a sales call or something in the business, any other part of the business, mine, just like yours, Tony, is sponsored by Jenny Blake and Pivot Programs. (laughs) It actually does create such a deeper trust and relationship with your potential or future community that I really do think, even though there's not a direct line to revenue, in my case, from sponsorships, there's so much indirect good that comes from showing up and serving in that way over time. And that's what I call public original thinking. So for you, if it's not a podcast, that's fine. But how can you think out loud in one channel that works for you? And no, it doesn't have to be social media. Wow. That, that you just said so much that blows me away. And I'm just really thinking about those words you mentioned in terms of gay in the book, in terms of you can, Gay Hendricks, you can decide to be lucky. One of the genesis, Jenny, of the best thing is the whole notion that I live by and that I'm, I write about my upcoming book is waking up every single day, acknowledging that the best thing to happen to you hasn't happened yet. Because I think so many of us, when we talk about the best thing, it's past tense, but I believe the best thing for all of us, because we're here, because we woke up, our feet are on the ground. The best thing to happen to us is ahead of us, not behind us. My last question for you, based on everything you just said, Jenny, and I'm thinking about your two books so far, um, but most recently Pivot. Pivot, something tells me, Jenny, your third book is going to be radically different than any book you've you've wrote based on this time. Do, I, do you have any ideas what that book could look like? But something tells me it is going to look, you may surprise people who've been reading and listening to Jenny Blake for a long time. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. I mean, I have a huge smile on my face because it's a mystery to me as much as as anyone. I feel like often my next book or big idea, it starts shaping itself around me before I know what it is. I did a podcast episode called Put Yourself in the Path of Pivot. And for me, in a way, the podcast is doing that because I'm just drawn to certain topics and people and lines of thinking. And I don't know why, but I can look back on the last hundred episodes and say, huh, what are the themes here? What's emerging? So that's sometimes how I reverse engineer my way into whatever the next big idea is. But I think you're right, Tony. I mean, it's definitely, I've had mentors of mine say, you got to bring in the spiritual side. I kind of hit it in pivot as a Trojan horse. Yes, this book is labeled business career, but there's a lot of spiritual practices woven in throughout. 
And I, I'm really exploring. I, honestly, I feel so close to my life <laughs> that that I don't know what form it's going to take. But the feedback I consistently hear is that people appreciate systems, but they also appreciate this notion of heart-based business and how to do things on your own terms. So that's all I have right now. But I, I agree with you. I, I would like it to be different in some way. But if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I have fear about writing the book I really want if it would turn off corporate clients because it's such a large source source of my income. So you could see me living these own questions in real time. So I wonder what I would write if I didn't care at all if companies hired me. And then I wonder if that could then be extended to say, well, maybe they still would. Can't rule it out. But what would I do if just money wasn't even a thought? Yeah, as, as you say that, I just think about you saying with little turn off clients, and it makes me think about the the Eddie that you described yes, earlier, and, and being grandfathered in. And believe me, I know exactly what you are talking about. And I, the last thing I'll say is that, and I'm going to paraphrase this quote because it, it shows up in my book. Um, it's from one of my favorite authors, spiritual thinkers, if you will, uh, Pema Chodron who wrote an amazing book called When Things Fall Apart, not to be confused with another amazing book called When Things Fall Apart. But her quote is, and I'm paraphrasing, Jenny, is fear is an indicator that you are getting closer to the truth. Fear is an indicator that you are getting closer to the truth. And I'm paraphrasing, but I'll, I'll put that in the show notes and I'll text you afterwards, Jenny. So take your time, but I am excited to see what that reveal is going to be, how you're going to show up. And I got a feeling it's going to draw people in even more as opposed to less. Jenny Blake, listen, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on this on this podcast. When I mentioned in the introduction that you're one of those people that when you spend time with them, you walk away energized and with more energy. That's how I feel right now. I'm just excited about your, your current journey and what's going to look like moving forward. I'm excited to, to build with you in the future and have conversations offline. And again, thank you. And for folks that want to learn more about you, of course, we'll have the show notes, but where would you like to point them to? Thank you so much, Tony. This has been such a delight. I feel the same way. And thanks everybody for listening. You can search for Pivot with Jenny Blake, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you go to pivotmethod.com slash founder time, that's a free mini course on how to think about setting up your day and your work a little differently. So I think for your listeners, Tony, that one will be the most most relevant and helpful. Beautiful. Well, thank you again. And we're going to have you on again in the future for sure. Yes, I would love that. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.